The Business Without Boundaries podcast is for multi-passionate entrepreneurs who crave the freedom to create a career and life on their own terms. Because we know that the next best thing to having a business that allows you to work whenever and wherever you want is having a company that rewards you well for your time and talent invested. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode one of the Business Without Boundaries podcast. This is Amy, and I am so excited to be kicking this off. I'm recording this on a Saturday and may or may not be taking spoonfuls of Nutella in between takes because that's how we get things done on a weekend here. Um, Anyways, this is our, this is a new project for us, and Katie And I are so excited to use this platform to share some of our story and our backgrounds and connect you with other really amazing women and men entrepreneurs and business owners and just people that are doing really amazing things in this world. Um, In this episode, I'm really going to share with you more of our backstory and how Katie and I got started and, um, you know, our story so that you have a better idea of who exactly these two girls are who are behind the Global Creator Studio. Um, So to get started, my name, like I said, is Amy. I am one of the sisters behind the Global Creator Studio, and my sister Katie is actually the youngest in our family. I'm the oldest. They're six years apart, and we both come from this highly creative background. Um, I was doing web design and writing for magazines and blogging and and a lot of digital media, whereas she was doing more branding and graphic design and user experience. And we decided that since we were both pursuing freelance careers, that it would make so much more sense to just consolidate and join forces and do it together. And it's been the best decision that we've ever made. And it's been so much fun and so much more rewarding to do it in a partnership versus trying to build businesses and freelance careers on a solopreneur basis. Because everybody knows whether you are a solopreneur or you're working in a small team or you work remotely, but going at it alone is really tough. And it can be really isolating and really lonely. And there are massive periods of ups and downs and just like this crazy roller coaster that we call being your own boss that gets glorified to everybody on the outside. But for those of us in the trenches, like we understand that there's some really big dips and valleys. So that's what these conversations that I want to bring to you are going to be all about. Um, So I'm going to be the main host of the podcast, and I'm going to be bringing on guests that I have connected with either through my background in my various creative pursuits or that I've met in, you know, just being on social media or out in the community and just people that I find have incredibly interesting stories that other people will find valuable value in and be able to have takeaways that are going to, they'll be able to apply to their own life and business. So first, I want to give you the background on the whole global creator story and how Katie and I got to where we are today so that you have a better idea of who we are and, um, and where we come from. So I started many years ago as a fine artist. I was a major in fine art in Orlando in college and I did lots of like human figure drawing and charcoal drawing and and painting and all this stuff that was like very 
non-tangible when it came to a career path. So when it came time for me to graduate and I had to figure out, quote unquote, what to do with my life, and I couldn't even get hired at Victoria's Secret selling underwear, which is a true story, I decided to go back to school to pursue interior design because I always had this, like, oddly enough, a passion for organization and spatial organization really was the most practical application of my skills at that time, so I thought. So I went back to school and I ended up studying in London. I decided that instead of going to the big name design schools in the States, I really wanted to move overseas. I had done a couple of study abroads when I was in my undergraduate degree and I absolutely loved the whole vibe of being in these international cities and around all these different cultures and people speaking different languages and accessibility to like you jump on a plane and in an hour you're in a different country, not just in the next state over. And so I was like, you know what? If I have the opportunity to move overseas and do my studies there, I'm going to do it. So that's what I did. I moved to London for a year and I studied um, interior architecture and spatial design at Chelsea College of Art and Design, and um, it was one of the best years of my life. I was 23 years old. I was dropped in the middle of London, which my parents would probably be horrified now, just looking back, but I'd always been very independent and very, like, I can handle it, I can get it done, and I did. I I stayed in this crazy, um, I don't even, it wasn't a hotel, like, Airbnb didn't exist. It wasn't a hostel. It was just some room I rented in some sort of establishment that I couldn't figure out how the lights worked in it. So as soon as it got dark, I just basically had to go to sleep or use a flashlight to read. It was before like e-readers and I don't even think smartphones were. No, smartphones weren't out. I was using a Palm Pilot. So that's, you know, dating myself. But that was my first foray into getting overseas and being like, okay, I got to make this shit work. So it did work. I was able to find a room to rent with some other art students at the other colleges. Um, one girl from Norway and two from South Korea. And they were absolutely lovely roommates. And we had this charming apartment on the top floor of like a, I don't know, an eight-story building near Kensington Gardens. And that became my home base in London for a year. And I really used that as a jumping point to not only study... Um, but also to see as much of Europe as I could. We used to book like super cheap Ryanair flights and just like fly down to Spain in February because we were tired of the cold and we could do so for 20 pounds round trip. I mean, the flight deals were insane back then. And so we were just jumping around all over the place, just soaking it all in. And it was really intoxicating, especially like 23, 24 years old, living in this major cosmopolitan city after growing up in South Florida. And, you know, I did my undergraduate in Orlando, but it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't London. So once I finished my year there and my visa was going to expire, I was like, yeah, I'm not done with this yet. I am not ready to go home. So I had a friend who had worked in advertising in Paris. She was British and she worked in Paris for a year before she had joined the same interior design program I was in. And she planted the seed for me to start looking at Paris to continue my studies. My reasoning, the logical part of my brain was saying, this is a strategic career move because in order to get your interior design license in Florida, you need a minimum of two years education. And I only had a year. So I was like, well, 
sounds perfect. I'll go over to Paris for the rest of my degree, finish up my two years of education, and then I'll be all set to come back to Florida and, and sit for my license and become a, a responsible official interior designer. So the semester program that I joined in Paris finished out the year there. I actually ended up staying for three years in Paris, which is a story that you'll find really common. If you ever get to Paris and you talk to an expat there, ask them how long they originally intended to stay because everybody has a different answer. They might say, you know, they might have been there for five years and they were originally supposed to be there for six months or they were supposed to stay for a month and they've been there 10 years now. Like, Everybody has a really interesting answer to that question. So that is a, a little tip for any time you're in that city and you, you're talking to a, an expat. But anyways, so I ended up staying in Paris for three years. I finished my interior design degree. I had very little interest in coming back to the States at this point. I was well and truly ingrained in European culture. I had friends all over the place. Um, one of my best friends from high school had moved to the Netherlands and I was always visiting her and it just my life was European. But of course, there's the international visas that always create a bit of um, complications in this ideal globetrotting lifestyle that I was trying to set up for myself. And my visa ended up getting denied, my visa renewal, and I was given 30 days to leave the country. And if they caught me in the country, it was the normal um, you know, consequences, I would end up in jail. So I left because I didn't want to deal with that whole drama and try, you know, there's plenty of people that stay under the radar and hop in and out of the country, you know, that sort of thing. It's, it's, wasn't for me. I was career driven enough to know that just hanging out in Paris like a member of the lost generation wasn't really going to do much to um, set me up for a sh the shining future that I just knew I was capable of. So cut to, I had ended up on a sailing trip in the Greek islands and I promise this circles back around to the next phase of my journey but I'm going to start here. I had received an email from Gap Adventure Travel for a sailing trip, a 10-day sailing trip from Santorini to Santorini, basically island hopping all around the Greek islands for those 10 days. And at this point, I didn't have a clear answer on my visa, and I didn't know if I was going to be able to stay in France or not, which meant I couldn't stay in Europe. I, everything was all up in the air. So I was like, you know what? Greece is basically right next door now compared to where it might be if I end up back in Florida, I really should go on this trip. So I did. I booked the ticket. I flew down to Athens and took an overnight ferry to Santorini, which is an adventure, let me tell you. And then I met the, sh the little sailboat that was going to be taking us around on this 10-day tour that, that next morning. Our skipper was Irish and the other girls on the trip were Australian. And we just had an amazing time. Like we laughed. Like it was one of the best trips I've ever taken in my life. And it ended up really being a pivotal moment because it is that trip that got me down to Australia almost a year later. So this is how that happened. 
one of the girls on the trip um, was coming to Paris after the, the Greek portion of her travels was ending. And so she came to Paris and she stayed with me. And we wandered around the city. I took her to all my favorite cafes and all of that, you know, a taste of local Parisian life. And she and I kept in touch and she kept inviting me down to Australia. Um, she worked in Canberra, which is like the DC of Australia. And so she had a house there with an extra bedroom and she said it was always open for me should I ever, you know, decide to, to jump down and check it out. And I was like on the fence at this point. I had just gotten deported. I had to leave all my friends. It takes a lot of energy to do that. I had to ship all these boxes home of all this stuff that I'd accumulated in Paris. And I just kind of didn't know if I had the energy really to jet off on another international adventure. And so, but she kept calling and then, I, you know, when I think about it, like synchronicities would happen. Like I would say, I don't know if I should go to Australia. And then I'd look up and like a truck would go by with a kangaroo on it. And, you know, I dabble in the woo. I'm not like super up on all my spiritual signs, but this was a sign that I was willing to take that uh, I should head down to Australia. What have I got to lose? So I did. I got the visa. I, I, I qualified for a working holiday visa there, which you can get if you're 30 and under, and it allows you to stay in the country for a year and work to fund your travels. But I wasn't ready to commit to a whole year. I was like, all right, I'm going to go down for three months. Just see how it goes. And so I did that. I went down, I stayed with her, and she was, she lived like an hour outside Canberra. So we would drive into town for her to go to work, and I would walk around, they have this beautiful lake there. I would walk to the other side of the lake to the art museum that they have. They have a beautiful art museum, and I used to go to the gift shop. I would see the exhibits and I would go to the gift shop and I would thumb through all of the creative magazines that they have there. Because if you don't know Australia or haven't been, they have a really thriving design scene there. And like, there's some really beautiful architecture and some really beautiful interiors. So it actually ended up being like the perfect place for me to land at this point in my career and my interest in interiors. So I found some design firms and architecture firms in a magazine that had been submitted for what they call the Eat Drink Design Awards. It's interior awards for different categories of retail spaces, restaurants, bars, branding, all of that. And I basically emailed every single design firm in Australia. I, I think I focused on Sydney and Melbourne and because those were the closest cities to me and um, ended up landing some interviews from that. I offered them six-week free internships, and that's how I got my initial responses and my initial interviews. And so within two weeks of landing in Australia, I had an internship set up at a boutique design firm in Melbourne, and I was on a train there to set up for the next... At this point, I was like, all right, I got something set up. I might as well stay the whole year. So I did. I stayed the whole year. I'd worked with the design firm. I fell in love with Australia and the culture and the people and my life there. I had an amazing group of friends. All this was set up. And once again, my visa expired. This is a common theme for me. Visas expiring, having to uproot and leave again. So again, I was given no choice. I, I tried real hard to try to get jobs. I had an interview. I, had, I would make it to rounds of, you know, second rounds of interview, all of that. But I could never kind of, you know, capture that leprechaun of the sponsored work visa. 
it just never came together for me. So once again, I had no choice in the matter and I had to come back home to my hometown in Florida. And this is when I started getting into the digital space. I started a blog because I wanted to try to get design jobs back in the States somewhere because at, at this point I was oh, 28, 29 years old and I was like, all right, I want to do interior design. I'm not willing to just be a vagabond. So let, let's make some things happen and get out of this entry level position so that maybe one day I can be put forward for a job in a different country and, and actually have a competitive chance for getting that sponsored visa. But I really could not seem to break into the design industry here. It was probably a bit too close. Like all the recessions happened in the States and you know, they're just, it was, design was not a booming industry, let's say. And I had no contacts, no experience, no anything here in the States. But I did have this website. It was a WordPress site and it was a blog. And it was supposed to be a design portfolio, but what happened was it turned into a design blog. And then it turned into a travel blog where I shared all these stories about, about the Greek sailing trip and how we got pirated in Mykonos and all these other crazy mishaps that happen when you're out on the road. And, and people started connecting with me through my travel stories. And I was like, oh, hey, this is really fun. There's this whole online world I didn't even know about because I've been living overseas with you know a Nokia phone, no, no Wi-Fi. So um, this was... There was just this opening all new doors for me, and I was just like so immersed in this world of blogs and social media. This is when I first figured out what Instagram was and what, what you could use it for. And so I have this blog, which the name was Creatrice Mondiale, which was the only name I could come up with because when I got back and I was trying to come up with names, like everything in English that I came up that was cool was already taken. Like, you guys all know, you know, trying to find a URL or a social media handle that's not taken and the first ideas you have is is tricky at best. So I went with a French name, Créatrice Mondiale, which translates to Global Creator. So that is the origin of the name Global Creator. And I started this blog in, oh, I want to say 2013, 2014, something like that. And um, it morphed from a supposed design portfolio to a design blog to a travel blog. And through that, I started doing travel media. I started writing freelance for magazines. I did an internship with a magazine. I started dabbling in web design because, of course, with my design background, I was always wanting to update my site. And it was much easier if I could figure it out how to do it myself versus constantly having to buy my one web developer friend dinner in exchange for favors and tweaks on my site. So I really immersed myself in this world of WordPress and figuring out how how websites work and how I could have more control over the aesthetics of my site and my brand and all these things. I decided to go back to school and I, I went to the community college and got a, or the state college, local state college, and got a certificate in graphic design so I could be official and have that piece of paper to prove that I knew what I was doing. Um, we all fall trapped to that. Um, that actually didn't prove very helpful. But anyways, um, I was well and truly both feed in to this now digital design world and out of interior design because I saw the writing on the wall that interior design was very location dependent. And if I only needed my laptop in order to work, 
I could work from anywhere and it didn't matter if I had a visa or not. And that was like the holy grail to me. Like I just wanted to be able to work from wherever or at least have the option to. And that was that was my biggest thing, especially coming from Europe and, you know, those international lifestyles where they all look at the States and think that we have the work till you die mentality because the two weeks holiday or vacation, as we call it, and, you know, the the crazy hours we work and, and you know, all this these cultural differences that are really, really kind of, I won't say in your face, but they become very obvious when you're on the outside for long enough looking in. And I really liked the balance of lifestyle of the Europeans, let's say, or even the Australians. The Australians are so far away, yet they travel so many places because they have the time and the interest and the the means to do so. Um, And I really wanted to stay part of that globally minded community and not have to give that up to go into a little cubicle. So I really focused all of my attentions and all of my energy into digital platforms. And through that, I was able to start to make some traction and start to get a bit of a name for myself around travel, design, and writing. So these were all the hats that I was wearing at this time. And I was just kind of, you know, trying everything. I was doing social media for people. I would do, you know, logos and graphics for people. I would help with websites. I would do a lot of blogging, you know sponsored posts, things like that. I never had a huge following, so I wasn't a quote-unquote influencer, but I did do part brand partnerships and put together press trips and things of that nature um, that were really fun. And all of that experience got me into a position as a creative director in Miami. So when I came back from Australia and I was in the States, I was here for about a year and a half before I attempted to go back overseas for a fourth shot at it and I went to New Zealand but I got there I arrived in Auckland and I was just too tired I didn't have the energy in me to set up a life there again have the year visa have all the pressure of if I you basically have like as soon as you land you can you can flip the hourglass and watch the sand start pouring through and that's your timeline for how much time you have left to to get that visa or to figure out what you're doing or be okay once again packing up and moving halfway across the world and I just found that I didn't have it in me. So I came back to Florida. This was in 2014. I came back to Florida about November and that following February I moved down to Fort Lauderdale and that is where I am now. I've now been here for a little over four years And the first year that I lived down here, I worked as a creative director for a travel agency in Miami. And I did all the things that I used to do for myself for no money for them for a salary. And funny enough, I was probably putting in the same amount of hours, but now I had to commute. And the commute from Fort Lauderdale to Miami is 19 miles as the bird flies, but it can take an hour or more in rush hour. And I know a lot of you guys sit in commutes and you know how exhausting that can be. And then I had to sit in the office for 10 hours and I was doing things like presentations and email marketing design and, and you know, putting together itineraries for packages for clients and all this stuff for all these other people to go travel and have this freedom lifestyle. And I was stuck. I mean, it was a pretty cool office. It was open floor plan. It wasn't a cubicle, but I was still stuck there. And heavens forbid I left at 6 instead of 6.30 because I was done for the day. Like, that was frowned upon. And I was like, bullshit. 
no, I'm not playing this game. Cut to, I negotiated with the CEO of that company to go on a freelance basis for them. So I left the full-time gig and I went back to a more freedom-based lifestyle, doing design work for them on an as-needed basis, and then picking back up my web design and magazine writing and all those things that I did before. And I had this idea in my head, even before I started the travel agency, that I wanted to really develop this Creatrice Mondiale brand, but make it more accessible and pronounceable for the general public. So I switched the name over to The Global Creator, and I launched an online boutique, so a retail business model. And in this business model, I curated a collection of travel-related goods, so backpacks, weekender bags, scarves, hats, um, travel-sized beauty products, you know, all these things that you would want to take with you to go out and explore the world. So those were my ready-for-departure and wellness-on-the-go collections. And then I partnered with artists and makers and other female business owners and female-led brands in the different countries I lived in to curate collections of hand-selected goods from England and from France, and those became my destination collections. And that was a really fun project to get off the ground, and it was a real big learning experience for me because I really didn't know anything about retail, and I had to learn it all in the trenches, and I really learned a lot. And um, that retail site is actually still up, but what I really found was, again, if I was going back to being in true alignment with the type of lifestyle I wanted, online retail, even though technically you don't have a storefront that you have to be at all the time, was still too much of a demand on me being in one place because I was the one that had to ship out the orders, you know, all this stuff. I didn't have a fulfillment center doing this, and I didn't want one. I wanted to have the, the personal handwritten notes in each of my packages that I shipped out. and But that meant, like, heavens forbid, I went up to my parents for a weekend and somebody ordered something, and I was like, well, what do I do? Do I rush back down? I have to ship it out. And, like, I was all this pressure, and, and you know, I had to – I, I was doing local events and pop-ups and this, that, and the other thing. And I was like, this, again, is not the lifestyle that I want when I when I envisioned for myself having this location-independent career that allowed me to travel whenever and wherever I want. So I decided to shift perspectives or shift um, strategies and business models. And it worked out really well because... I built that the site, the Global Creator Shopify e-commerce site, and people would go to it and they absolutely loved it. So I was getting website design requests based off of my e-commerce store. And so I rolled with that. I was like, let's launch the Global Creator Studio and make it a branding and web design studio. And this is where Katie and I joined forces because, again, like I said at the beginning, her background and expertise was in branding and logos and user experience and all these things that really complemented my talents perfectly. Like we always say, joke that we're the perfect blend of um, creative perspectives. She also has a background in anthropology, so she's massively good at identifying and quantifying human behavior. So anything that has to do with data, analytics, uh, behavioral patterns, human 
interactions, communication, all that kind of stuff is really Katie's jam and she can completely nerd out on it, which is fantastic because I couldn't give a shit about opening an email and, you know, setting up, you know, analytics to see what the open rate is. And that's, that's something that she, she absolutely loves. So we decided to join forces and experiment with putting together some branding and web design packages and following a, a structure for that business, basically having an agency. But what we found is we explored more and worked with clients and, and got more experience in this new venture together was that before people even need the big fancy website and the big fancy branding packages, they need to know what the fuck they're doing. Um, and a lot of us don't. Katie and myself included when we first started. Like we had so many ideas and so many you know, projects that were like, well, we could do this. And then, you know, we could write a book and use it as a marketing tool. And we could have this package that, oh, but what if we put this into an online course? And, you know, we had all these spinning plates and we felt like we were doing all this work. But when we look back or, you know, look at the end of the month and whatnot, like we realized that so much of what we were trying to accomplish wasn't really moving the needle. And I think that's a really common a roadblock that a lot of us face because we have we're so good as, as entrepreneurs and creative minds like we are so good at generating ideas and it is really challenging to then apply constraint to those ideas so that is what Katie and I moved into with our coaching side of our business and now the global creator studio is solely a coaching brand for multi-passionate entrepreneurs who have tons of ideas and need help putting some structure and finding focus. That's what we do. We help these entrepreneurs create badass business models out of one idea and then find ways to to not discard all the other ideas that they have. Like no one says you have to shelve everything forever or just toss it in the bin. But Add things in a in a way that does not like induce these panic feelings of overwhelm. And I'm going to go more into detail on that in the next episode. But I just really wanted to share with you guys how Katie and I got from where we were and where we started individually to where we are today. And so now we have the Global Creator Studio. It is Amy and Katie. So you'll see on our social media in our newsletters, in our Facebook group, it's Amy and Katie. We are the sister duo behind the brand, and we both bring our unique talents and our unique perspectives to our coaching packages. So when you work with us, you get the benefit of, you know, the ideas side, the strategy side, feedback on your analytics and 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 how all that works together, like with sales funnels, all that kind of stuff, and just really the whole package based on your business, like getting business fundamentals and foundations in place. And that is the backstory of the Global Creator Studio and the whole reason that we decided to call this podcast Business Without Boundaries because both Katie and I are so passionate about helping others create a lifestyle and a career that gives them the freedom to live life on their own terms. Like whether that means traveling as much as you want to, which is what I would totally do, Um, or just deciding that you want to work at a coffee shop every other Tuesday and then you want to work at that coffee shop every other Thursday. Like just being able to not have 
the pressure hanging over your head of having to do it a certain way or the pressure of all the shoulds. I should do more. I should be doing working longer hours. Like So basically stripping away all these preconditioned layers that society and corporate and our parents' expectations and all that stuff that has been layered on top of us and it is we are lugging around all this extra weight with us, taking that off your shoulders so that you can move forward feeling lighter, and, and more empowered in moving forward in your business and how you design the life you want. And so we are so excited to share this journey with you. Um, yeah, we're going to be releasing this podcast every week. Uh, that's my commitment to you. I love having conversations and this format, even though I have a background as a writer, a podcast is a really fun format for me. I love listening to podcasts when I'm driving, when I'm on my evening walks, whatever. So I think this is a really great way to start a conversation with you. So please, we're going to have the show notes on our website. You can always leave comments there or jump in the Facebook group, Business Without Boundaries, and um, and start a conversation with us. We love to hear from people. And on that note, If you enjoyed this first episode and learning more about our story and are interested in more that we have to say on the topic of creating a career that allows the freedom you crave, please share this podcast with your friends, anybody who you think would be interested in these topics and in uh, connecting with a community of other like-minded people and um, people doing the same things. And so help us get the word out and we're going to continue adding value and helping you through our content and really make this a fun back and forth relationship. So thank you so much for tuning in to episode number one. And we look forward to uh, chatting with you next week. All right, everyone, if you enjoyed today's episode, then head on over to the Business Without Boundaries private Facebook group. This is a group that Katie and I created to connect with you, chat with you, answer your questions, and generally foster a community of other multi-passionate entrepreneurs who are getting it done. To join, go to facebook.com forward slash biz, B-I-Z, W-O boundaries, and answer the three questions that pop up when you click on join. And once you're in, then we can continue the conversation and um, get to know you better. We believe 100% in the power of community to connect, collaborate, and grow together. And we so look forward to seeing you there.